Hello, everybody, and welcome to Going Deep, Sports in the 21st Century. I'm Dr. Marsha Mount Shoup. And I'm Coach John Shoup. John's coached at the highest levels of the game of football for 26 years. And Marsha is an author, theologian, and minister. John and I met in a religion class in Oxford, England. Actually, we were in a pub. Well, yeah, but my point is you like to think deeply. And you love sports. I do. Marsha doesn't just love sports. She's a cross-country coach and in her alma mater's Hall of Fame. We're Team Shoop, and we're glad you've joined us to go deep into some of the most pressing issues of our time. On this show, we go beyond sound bites and highlight reels. We're going deep. Let's do this. Today on Going Deep, sports in the 21st century, we are visiting with a young man I recruited to come to the University of North Carolina while I was the offensive coordinator there. Our friend, Devin Ramsey. Devin's time at UNC was tumultuous, to say the least. I, I think we can safely say that what happened to Devin at UNC changed his life and ours in some profound ways. Since his time at UNC, Devin has testified before Congress about the injustices of collegiate revenue sports, and he has, is also currently a named plaintiff in a pivotal class action suit that calls to account both the NCAA and the University of North Carolina for not delivering on the quality education promised to revenue athletes. And Devin was a great student and a talented player. I'd say he was an NFL prospect that we for recruited sure. out of New Jersey. And in 2010, Devin was suspended by the university. North Carolina was under investigation for improper benefits, which turned into an investigation on potential academic misconduct. Several players were suspended under the suspicion of what might have happened. And Devin was kind of emblematic of all that was screwed up in that investigation. Yes. And uh, Devin is one of those guys that we have got our feelings deeply invested in and have had for years. Devin, uh, welcome to Going Deep. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We're so glad you're here. When you were suspended, Devin, this is how I found out. We had just beaten East Carolina on a Saturday. We beat them pretty handily. In fact, I think we ran the ball down their throat pretty good. And we were, did. Yeah, we sure did. We did. Remember, Johnny White, I think, had like three touchdowns in the first quarter or something, it seemed. He, he was amazing. But on that Thursday, we were preparing for Clemson, and it was the Thursday before a Saturday game. And we were going through goal line walkthrough. Uh, I'll never forget it. And Butch Davis, our head football coach at that time, he approached me and he whispered in my ear so no one else could hear, get Curtis Bird ready for fullback. We're about to lose Devin. And that's, that, Devin, is how I found out you were suspended. And I never coached you again. Talk about how you found out you were being accused of academic fraud and just kind of how things went down from your end. Well, I was in the same practice. And, you know, we're, we're leaving practice. And um, I believe one of the um, administrators came up to me mm -hmm. and said, Hey, Devin, let's... Uh, Let's take you up to um, 
the fourth floor. We have we want to ask you a couple questions. So I don't I don't even know if I had a shower or not at this point. Like mm. I was I was right out of practice, and I go up there and they say, "Hey, we want to ask you uh, about this email. Do you mind if we uh, record this conversation? And uh. also, if you want like a lawyer present, um, you can call one." <laughs> And so yeah. this is while you're still sweating from practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, I, th- I think I'm making my way up the stairs now or in the elevator. And, mm. yeah, so I was kind of blindsided by this. I didn't know where this came from. Mm-hmm. And so they get me in the, into the, uh, they get me into the um, conference room and they start uh, asking, they start asking me about, you know, what's my idea of, uh, academic fraud. Um, hmm. Tell me about uh, academic dishonesty. Um, tell me what you what I think about cheating. And then they bring out this set of emails, hmm. um, the correspondence that I had between the tutor. Mm-hmm. And they we, we continue to have the conversation. And then they say, "Hey, Devin. Um, yeah, we'll get back to you, and uh, you're free to go. Go ahead." Hmm. Let me ask you this, Devin. When you say they, who is they? So one of the administrators and I believe maybe the president of the business school at the time was... Oh, he was heading the... Jack yeah. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. He was heading the um, questioning. Mm-hmm. And you had no advocate with you, but they said no. to you... Just, as you're walking up the steps to go in the room. As you're walking up the steps, if you'd like to get a lawyer, you can. Huh. Yeah, yeah. They, they, well, they said that once they turned on, they had they turned on the uh, tape, hmm. and they asked me if I needed a lawyer present. Oh, they said and, that uh, on tape. Yes. Wow. Well, I I remember Devin, just how confusing that whole time was. But one of the turning points for me was when you were at our house that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2010. And there was a gag order. We weren't supposed to be talking to you about this or John's colleagues or anybody about what was going on. So we were really in the dark. And I remember you were sitting at the table there and we're eating. And I I finally just said, Devin, what is going on? You know, tell us what is happening. Because by that time you had missed several games. Mm -hmm. And then you proceeded to tell us the story and it was just unbelievable i just remember getting more angry as i listened to what how you were being treated and then i remember geo bernard your your teammate and weren't you all even roommates at the time maybe or uh, you no, all no, we y'all were in the same you were in the same meeting room all the time yeah. i know yeah mm-hmm. so it's not like you and geo never spent time together mm-hmm. um and I remember Gio turning to you and going, hey, wait a minute. So you didn't do anything wrong? <laughs> and I realized, like, how isolated you must have been um, during that time. And that just really made an impression on me of how they just divided everybody and and kept us all from asking questions or being critical of what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I that was one of the worst times probably in my life, mm-hmm. um, and I was it was embarrassing, and I, I felt like removed from the team. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I even 
I had a friend that was that went to Duke, and I used to go over there all the time because I just didn't want to be, I just didn't want to deal with it. Hmm. And I didn't go to games. You know, I think Marv and Greg and other guys would sit in the They in did. The, uh, they they come to games sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just watch it on TV back at my uh back in my house and then my neighbors would ask like what am I doing around here and I'm just mm. like well uh my school is holding me out and you know the even it was it was really strange the um the attorney general I met with the attorney general of the UNC's honor court and she told me that there wasn't even enough evidence to to take me to court to, mm-hmm. the, to the honor court and you know I thought I had UNC's backing behind me I thought they believed in me. I thought they were really advocating for me. But um that that's an <laughs> excellent point what you just said. I think we would say the same thing. We assumed that the university was handling this. We were very naive. We yep. assumed and 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 I think about and again I remembered that Thanksgiving you saying, you know, what I think I even asked you, what are you being accused of? Like, and you explained all this stuff about like, it's just one sentence and this and that. And it was just like ridiculous that you were being accused of academic fraud. Right. I mean, that's what they talk, talk specifically about the absurdity of what you were being (laughs) accused of, because I think that's important that the honor court was like, are you kidding me? We're not even going to investigate that. Yet the NCAA took action, in fact, banning you for for, for life at one yeah. point. So what is it that they were accusing you of exactly? Yeah, well, I was in a sociology class my sophomore year, and I knew that the tutor had taken the class before. So I asked her if she could help like review any papers I had or anything. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, let me know if it's good, check the grammar, because grammar is not my strong suit. So she tells me, you know, it's good. Well, I email her. Mm-hmm. I email her the paper, and she tells me it's good, corrected some punctuation, and mm-hmm. without being asked in the email, adds a couple of sentences. I think it's I think it was three sentences to mm-hmm. a two-page paper. Mm-hmm. Um, two years later, then I'm called in to an office to be interrogated by UNC staff, mm. and that resulted in me being held out after I was just ranked by Mel Kuyper as one of the best fullbacks in the country. Mm. Um, and then so I've been, they held me out, I think, let's see, how many games was it? Yeah, it was four games. It was four games. Yeah, I was being held out. And then And then it was the, the rest of the season. Yeah, the compliance office, they call me in, because they keep on telling me we're waiting for what the NCAA says back. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And... Um, he told me, hey, like, if you want to play immediately because, like, what's two or three sentences in a paper? Mm-hmm. So you can pl- probably play right away if you just admit that you're guilty. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I thought I thought I was, they were looking out for me. I thought this was the right move to make. You know, I was, you know, a prospect, an NFL prospect. And come to find out that they just served me up to the NCAA, and I am now guilty of academic fraud. And banned for life. And banned for life, because that carries a sentence of two years, and I didn't have that eligibility left. It's so interesting to me, because frankly, Devin, I I was in the same boat as you in one regard, in that 
Marsha and I, too, thought the university was advocating for the student-athletes. I thought, my instructions from the athletic director, Dick Bedore, were clear. Put your head down, go to work, win as many games as you can, while 14 starters, I think, were suspended at one point. Mm -hmm. And trust us, we're going to take care of this. And I assumed that what they meant was we're going to have the interest of these young men at the forefront and work to advocate for them. Nothing could have been further from the truth. And I'll never forget at Thanksgiving dinner, sitting at our house with you and, and Geo, we had some friends from our from town in there as well, and how my heart sank when I realized, holy crap, they're not advocating for Devin. They're, they're throwing Devin under the bus. And yeah. that, for me is when I realized, oh, nuts, this is something a lot bigger and more severe than I thought. I wonder, was there a moment in that whole process when you realized, holy crap, this is a pretty big deal and it's a lot more severe. It's not going to be just a game or two. When did that hit you? And they're not, they are not helping me. The The university is not. The, helping me the people you thought were your allies were actually your adversaries um you know it was when that when the ruling of the academic fraud mm-hmm. hit that's when i realized that they were not looking out for me because it's their job to know how the ncaa works mm-hmm. the compliance office and and to just to convince me that I would co- go right back to play. Mm-hmm. That's just they lie. I mean, especially especially in the in the control relationship, how it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, they had all the power yeah. over you. I wonder who was it, Devin, that said to you, compliance you, people, wasn't it? Who was who was the person? Because I, I know some of the people that said to players. If you get a lawyer, you're just going to look more guilty. So don't even get a lawyer. And that was at the beginning of the year. So they obviously realized, son of a gun, let's make sure we get on tape that we told Devin he's allowed to get a lawyer. They realized that that problem. But what if someone were to tell your son, just admit guilt and this might go away? Who, 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 what, what person would do that? It was Amy Herman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you, you, I guess you can never, uh, you never know someone's motives. I don't know if it was career based or I, I don't know what kind of, mm-hmm. who, I would, uh, you know, I think I was like 21 at the time, mm-hmm. 20 year old young man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even, even after. Even after I was there, they uh, <laughs> they tried to they tried to set me up in a room where they invited me up to uh, what's I don't know what the position's called maybe a players uh, I guess the uh, the linchpin between the players and the and the staff and and she's sitting there in the room and kind of like 
I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. They kind of just, it was like a setup that I'm in here and she's in here and then we're supposed to kind of like shake it out and say that I have no more, I have no problem with you. And I was mm. told, I was asked uh, maybe once or twice to go visit her and speak with her and clear things up. Interesting. This is Amy. Yeah, this is, and this is um, Amy Herman. She's, I think she was, a, she might've been, I don't know, if, I don't think she was our head compliance officer, but. She was um, an, off, an officer in over in the Dean Dome, mm-hmm. and I, I never, I never wanted to see her again. Of course <laughs> I, not. I, I, I couldn't understand why they would send me over there to go see her. And so they asked you a, after Amy told you to just admit guilt. Then you mm-hmm. admitted guilt. You get banned for life. They asked you to go and tell her no harm, no foul. Yeah, this was probably maybe a, a year or two later. Wow. I, I, was, I was there for another, let's see, I, I graduated in 2012. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of where we all got activated, you know, at the mm. Thanksgiving table, mm. too. And I wrote a blog about you, and then Joe Nacera got involved, and I know Bob Orr was on the job at that point. Yeah. and. Yes. Walk, walk our listeners through a little bit. You did get cleared, but boy, was it a heck of a process. Talk talk to our listeners a little bit about how you got you fought this. Um, so, you know, I kept on I kept on telling my mom that you know we'd be all right. That the schools got my back, and she was skeptical from day one you know she's she's been in politics for a long time (laughs) and uh she she knows how the game was played Mm -hmm. and she's like i don't know i don't i don't think so Mm -hmm. and i sent her the emails and a copy copies of the paper and she leaks those to the news and observer news and observer and that's how judge Orr got involved he saw it Mm -hmm. and he thought this is wrong like Mm -hmm. why are they treating this young man like this and he reached out to us, and we eventually started working with him. And with him on our side, who knows due process and knows how how people should be treated yeah. in the court of law. And he, um, I like to think he kind of he. Then we started. Then we started the appeal process, and he definitely made sure that I was treated fairly. Yeah. However, that was far after the season ended i I didn't i wasn't cleared until i think february yeah and i was you know we had this amazing 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 game in tennessee and i'll never forget it i was sitting at home watching on the tv Hmm. Hmm. that's so sad that was the that was it was the music city city bowl Bowl. Mm -hmm. when uh Mm -hmm. When TJ led us down the field for that two-minute drive, and we kicked the field goal to send it into overtime, and then won. Mm-hmm. What what an amazing game that was! And, and Devin, it was one of the most memorable games I've ever coached in in 26 years. And to hear, I, you know, I'm sad to say this. I guess I didn't even realize that you weren't there that whole week on that bowl trip. Mm-hmm. That was an emotional, emotional game at the end of an emotional, emotional season. Mm-hmm. And for you to be watching that 
Away. the TV yeah. at home. Yeah. Really makes me sad thinking about it. Well, before we move on to kind of a different angle to your experience at UNC, you brought up your mom. Your mm. mom is an amazing woman. Your mom is, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with, and she really helped turn this thing around. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about your mom? Uh, you know, legend has it. She drove down. She got in her car. She drove down. She sat in the chancellor's office, and she wanted answers. The one and only Sharon Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, she's a, just a very strong woman, and uh, I'm her only child, mm-hmm. and she she protects me with a fierceness that that I, I I've never I've never seen out of her because she's just been so nice and gentle to me my whole life. But mm-hmm. you know, she had she had uh, some career aspirations that she was going for at that time. She I think she was up for. Uh, a re-election or election, mm-hmm. and she kind of put that to the side, and she was by my side the whole time. Mm. Come down every weekend and sit in sit in the meetings to make sure that they were doing me right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's an amazing person, and I I she and I would talk a lot, and she just I always just profoundly valued her honesty i don't feel like she ever tries to play a game she just she talks she says what she needs to say she hears what you have to say but she really did she really did just come and change the way change what was going on she really did mm-hmm. she, it's uh you're a, a lucky guy yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be if, uh, you know, she didn't get involved in this case. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. Yes. Yes, you are. And she, of course, is fortunate to have a son like you. So it's a mutual, she I'm is. sure. <laughs> we love Sharon Lee. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you tell her that. We do regularly. <laughs> and I'll remind her her son does, too. <laughs> hey, I remember... You know, you were in our first full recruiting class, and I'd coached in the NFL for 12 years, and this was kind of my first, really, year of recruiting in in college. And I can remember the night before signing day, you uh, were considering the University of Maryland and the University of North Carolina. And I can remember faxing you bullet points about why you should come to North Carolina the night before signing date and instead of Maryland. Do you remember that? Uh, I do. I actually never got that list, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I was faxing them to the wrong number. (laughs) And look, he still came. (laughs) Well, you know, um, it's a little weird situation at a boarding school. You might have been faxing them to my coach. I, I didn't have my own fax machine. So that, that might have been, there might have been a That's little. That's right. You were at Lawrenceville yeah. Prep. But one of the things that I thought throughout the entire recruiting process, maybe, that we sold you on was um, that if you come to the University of North Carolina, you're going to get a quality, quality education. I think I sold you on that. 
Could yeah. you take some time to describe your education at the University of North Carolina? Well, I guess I guess I want to start at why I really chose it. Sure. Um, so my high school, Lawrenceville, was very competitive when it came to, you know, who gets into where. So the opportunities to attend a prestigious university like the University of North Carolina made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't just the pure recruiting strategy. Of <laughs> but, I mean, also, also the pitch of starting a strong football tradition. Mm-hmm. We were one of the few teams that used a fullback slash tight end, though you were, you were coming in still thinking you were going to be Jerome Bettis, the big, <laughs> the big <laughs> tailback. We might have sold you on that, but in my heart, I knew you were going to move up to fullback. You just didn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first day of uh, <laughs> of training camp, and then it was just like, yeah, Devin, why don't you go take fullback? I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I remember your high school film. You played like 11 different positions. I can remember a picture of you playing defensive tackle in your high school film, yep. outside linebacker, running yep. back, every yep. every position I, that there was. I had a cor- I played cornerback too. Wow. Oh, that was the biggest corner in captivity. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Devin is a big dude. <laughs> so, so when you think about your UNC education, I'm sure there are things about it you value and um, feel good about. But do you feel like you, as a, as an athlete who was also studying there, do you feel like you got to choose the classes you wanted and have you know pursue the major you were interested in um i don't know it was uh it was really tough trying to excel in the first place when you're when you're constantly you know pushing your body to the limit mm-hmm. um there are times when you may have to get surgery but i was i had to get surgery but i was also applying to the business school and mm-hmm. so you know i'm taking medications, but I have to, you know, uh, I'm trying to get an A on my accounting exam. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of people give athletes a, a hard time about, like, you know, nodding off in class. And but I don't I don't think it's always because of a lack of interest. I think it's sometimes because, you know, of the combination of work that we have to do for football and for school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're up late doing homework and you also have to get up. Uh, at the crack of dawn, mm-hmm. and there were there were a lot of rules and time constraints that we had to put up with that you know normal students didn't have to deal with. Like I had to make my class schedule around practice, mm-hmm. and I remember specifically being really excited about taking a minor in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but because of NCAA rules, we didn't receive any credit hours towards minors, so we'd have to take the normal amount of credit hours and then on top of that take uh and then pursue you know minors that were offered and we had a really good uh program available at uh public policy mm-hmm. hmm. talk about that Devin. i remember that story you told when, that day we had lunch with jonah sarah at unc and there were some other reform-minded people there and some faculty there that had never Ever had an opportunity to talk to football players? Uh, I, I remember. 
I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think, so I think what they said was that I was trying to, I was trying to take whatever 400 level econ class mm-hmm. and I, and I wanted to take it, but they didn't, they said that if, if I take it, it's on you. They have no academic support. So yeah. that, so they wanted, so they were kind of trying to push me away from it and deter me. Mm-hmm. And they presented the worst case scenario. And what if, if you fail it, then you won't be eligible for next year. And yeah. you just play it safe and just use the benefits and the resources of the tutors that are available. And that also going into the class, you don't know, we don't have a relationship with that teacher. Um, why don't you deal with a teacher that is probably more understanding of mm. your time commitment. And I mean, that's even worse. <laughs> they kind of yeah. sold, they kind of <laughs> sold you short. Like, well, there's no way you could handle that. Yeah. 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 That's pretty bad. Hmm. And, and I, I know some other athletes had that experience where there was questions about their papers, like, well, of course you couldn't have written this quality paper by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's... Well, let, let me ask you this just about the Carolina education. I was there working for five years, and I, I didn't know there was a what's been called a shadow curriculum. I was unaware. I knew students were taking independent courses, and I took an independent courses. I, I remember taking independent courses as a college student, and I just figured I, I trusted the academic advisors and the faculty that these were above board. I had no idea that this shadow curriculum was going on. Although I did think to myself, this is a good way with an understanding faculty member to boost their GPA. I certainly wasn't you blind. You mean an independent study? An independent study could be a good way to boost someone's GPA. But I in no way, shape, or form ever felt like this was fraudulent. As a player, were you aware of the level of the fraudulent courses? No, I, I had no idea. I mean, the fact that they were, you know, forging teachers' signatures on these phony classes, I, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I thought the benefit of the paper classes were was that, I mean, you, as a football player, that time commitment, you know, if you get an extra, what is it, an extra couple hours a day, Mm-hmm that you're not you're not in class that that's some that's some more rest that's some more game film mm-hmm. and having a a paper that you have to write on your own without any direct uh, supervision i think that shows um accountability and planning mm-hmm. you can't just you can't because <laughs> i would hate to be the person that you know it's the day before and you have to write was it like a 30 page paper mm-hmm do so I think those were kind of those, that's how I saw it as the um, the benefits of the paper class, and um, but the fa- the fact that they were they were I mean it's unbelievable that yeah. that UNC would 
forge classes mm-hmm. and forge signatures of teachers. It's yeah, yeah, and then expect the the athlete to somehow be wise to all that is also absurd. I'm yeah. like you. I I'm like you all through. You know, I have a college degree and two advanced degrees, and all through that schooling and independent study or like you're calling a paper class, that was something that highly motivated students did. Students that were disciplined, students that had an extra interest in something, those were not seen as easy things to do. They were seen as things to do for students who were really, you know, highly motivated and kind of self-starters. So um, maybe you could take us from here to this, Telling whatever you can tell us about the lawsuit that you and Rashonda McCants are co-plaintiffs with that really calls UNC and the NCAA to task about, you know, getting the quality education that you are promised when you're recruited. Can you tell us anything about this case and um, why you well, decided to be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, essentially... um I was I was kind of a little hesitant at first, but you know it's such a great cause because the initial contract that you know between an athlete and their university is that look for your athletic talents we're going to give you a good education, mm-hmm. and then when you start putting phony classes in there, you are breaking that contract. Yes. Um, and one of the, I don't know if I should be saying this, but one of the arguments <laughs> that they had was that you should know that these, these classes were phony. Huh. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so you're telling me to take these classes and then however many years later, now you're telling me that they're phony. Mm-hmm. And what? you were supposed <laughs> to know that somehow. Yeah. You were supposed to know that, that... The University of North Carolina, a school you came to because you respected it academically, would be doing something so morally vacuous. I mean, how yeah. in the world would you put that all together? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, even I was talking to some um, former teammates, um, and I'm, t- I'm talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, we used to go to study hall to work on these papers, and we had." Uh, we had like monitors in study hall just to make sure we got these papers done. I mean, yeah. Besides going to class, it, if there's a study hall session, why wouldn't you think it's a class? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm with you, and I just think it's it's absolutely amazing that they could say to you, "You should know these are phony." Now. The NCAA finds itself in an awkward spot right now with regards to investigating the University of North Carolina for academic improprieties. At one time, they're conducting this investigation into UNC, but at the same time, they're a co-defendant with UNC (laughs) uh, in the suit that you and Rashonda have filed. (laughs) <laughs> if the NCAA I mean, it, finds UNC guilty 
of any academic misconduct, then they're finding themselves guilty. They, boy, what an awkward position, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the one thing that I didn't really understand until I spoke in front of the Senate was, I guess, how the NCAA is really structured. And so the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, he's kind of, when the senators are, you know, barraging him with questions, he's, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> um, he, he says, I have no power. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the university, <laughs> the members that have the power that mm-hmm. make the decisions. So the universities are the NCAA, and the NCAA is the universities. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's, it, it, it's, it's so strange. Yeah. And well. there's so much money behind it. And when you just realize where the money is and marketing and, you know, fan base and jersey sales and who's going to be good this year, and mm-hmm. then – then you can kind of see how, how and why it works. I mean, there was a really good quarterback that was um, sitting out when I was sitting out. But then his case got resolved within like two days. Mine didn't until February. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm uh, the maybe the case was a little different or where was he in school? Where was he in school is the big let, difference. Yeah, let's 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 be clear. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Cam Newton from Auburn, and and Auburn decided, they, no, we're going to fight like heck to get Cam Newton back on the field. They didn't even have to fight, and it's it's kind of what you're pointing to there that this, it it is a cartel. It's like this agreement between interested parties that hey, you know, I'll say this and you say this, and we'll all make a lot of money together, and. And, you know, the NCAA, I know in your in your court case, their argument is we don't have any interest in the quality of education that a student athlete receives. That That's yeah. that's their argument. But yet they have an interest in that when it's in their interest to have an interest in that. But they always have the ability to say, well, we don't really have any power when their power rests in in the fact that there is this agreement for the distribution of the spoils of this whole thing. And they do have a lot of power in that. When a team like Auburn says, uh, yeah, we're not going to sit him out. Then they say, oh, okay, well, we've found him not guilty then. <laughs> and then in a team like UNC says, oh, no, we look bad. We'll, we'll sit everybody out. Then that's an opportunity for the NCAA to you know, kind of buoy up the narrative that they're really trying to keep everything squeaky clean. Did you ever feel like a pawn in that? I mean, it's kind of like you're getting moved around like a chess piece. I mean, absolutely. I didn't know if it was because of that I wasn't like, you know, star wide receiver, if that's what Mm -hmm. it was, or if I was just easier to manipulate. But I just felt like, you know, I just felt like a piece of dirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think to myself, <clears throat> when I think about your situation, nuts, they might have picked on the wrong dude because we talked about your mother, Sharon Lee, being as fierce of an advocate as there is. But 
There were 18 players suspended at one point or another at North Carolina. Every one of them was a person of color. In fact, I went back on the Internet and I tried to research as many academic suspensions as I could. And I went back 13 years in the NCAA. That's as far back as I could find. I didn't find one white player that was suspended academically. Not one. Really? And I just wonder if you felt like they made an assumption that, okay, these are guys that we can control, these are guys that we can manipulate, and maybe in your case they might have picked wrong, but there were certainly some teammates of yours that had no advocate, had nobody coming to their defense, and got run over by the bus coming and going. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. You know, we um, there, there are a lot of guys from, you know, just middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, country towns, uh, inner city, and and you, you just it's 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 a it's a lack of resources sometimes. You know how. I mean, it's it's a shame, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why there, there needs to be an organization that is, their money is not tied into mm-hmm. the NCAA, so that they can advocate honestly, fairly, and in like a, in like a fiduciary way, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and across the board, like why why should it be so nefarious that you, Devin, went through what you did? And then Cam Newton is cleared in 24 hours. You know, I mean, it's just so nefarious and random. I agree with you. There needs to be an independent, non-vested organization that is solely to advocate for players. I know there's several out there that have tried to be that. I'm a part of some of them. But it's really hard to get access to players and no player I've found, you know, unless they've been in trouble, wants to. No one be, wants to bring that on. Nobody does. <laughs> no. Nobody doesn't. I understand that. You know, yeah. football is it awards good soldiers. That's yeah. why you. That's why you said, okay, I'll plead guilty. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you're a good soldier. That's that's what made you a good football player in a lot of ways. So, um, it's a real. Catch twenty two. How to how to advocate for players and help players advocate for themselves when the whole system is built on players not advocating for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a problem until it's your problem. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and, and the turnover, especially for basketball, the turnover is so quick that I mean, it, it's too late. And once you once you leave, mm-hmm. no one cares. Mm-hmm. No one really cares. You're exactly right. And the coaches leave, too, then. Yeah. You know, you know. it was your mom that said, I have the NCAA and Holden Thorpe, who was the chancellor at North Carolina at that time, I have the NCAA and Holden Thorpe to thank for my getting involved and speaking out. If they hadn't put Devin in a death grip, I wouldn't have done what I did. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. It kind of echoes what you said. It only gets you when it gets you. And that after it gets you, 
you go from somebody that everybody thought was so great and was so happy to have and all that stuff, you go from that to get out. We don't want you here anymore. You know, yep. it, it goes in no, nothing flat. You go from this celebrated person to an outlier, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's your, it's your identity for mm-hmm. four to five years, mm-hmm. me, me six years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. see football was my identity. And then when you get out, you, you, you have to figure out who, who am I? Like, what, what are the next steps? Yes. And it's really it's really hard to find to really find yourself, I think. I mean, I know it took me a while. I, I mean I see what happened. I um I went to Pro Day mm-hmm. and then I went to mini camp at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it. And uh I'll never I'll never forget this. One of the guys I was there with, um, he's like he's like, Man, if I don't make it like I'm going back to the hood, and I'm hmm. I'm doing whatever I got to do. Hmm. And it was it was that really hit home for me because I was he was a guy who also went to a boarding school. I played against him in high school. He went to a boarding school in high school. Hmm. And and then a couple a couple years later, he's ended up in in jail. Hmm. And it just he was a very good football player. Um. But it's it's just sad to yeah. see how that can happen. Yeah, it's like such a thin line that so many players walk. And it's it's one of the avenues that feels like, well, this is my best shot, you know. And, I mean, I've thought about you many times. You have so many skills. You have so much ability, so much capacity. I was never, like, worried about you as a human being, because I knew you had inner resources. I knew you had a lot of things that you could do beyond football. But the thing that was so hard to watch was you loved football. You were great at it. And that was a dream of yours. And you really hung in there at so many different junctures. And then it was just heartbreaking to see what you were left with was like you said, this kind of shattered identity and, and you didn't do anything to deserve that. And I think about how, I don't know what the right word is, Devin, maybe it's proud. I'm proud of you or I'm grateful for the ways that you have taken such a horrible thing and done some good things with it with testifying before Congress and, and, you know, now being a part of this lawsuit, you really are somebody who's allowed what happened to you to not just be about you, but to be about a system that is unjust. And I'm really proud of you for that. Thank you. Appreciate (laughs) that. That was beautiful. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Let me ask you this, Devin. What advice would you give a young man coming out of high school right now as he's going to play Division One collegiate football? Um, I would say take advantage of all the resources that you can at the school. Don't um, 
you know, develop really, like they tell you this, but really go and develop relationships with people. Join clubs on campus mm-hmm. so you get out of just the football circle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that I think really kind of halters the growth of athletes, maybe probably especially revenue athletes, revenue-generating athletes in college is that a lot of us don't take any internships during the summer. You know, we, they, we, they want us to be on campus, and I think that is a really great time to learn what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can, you know, speak to um, your professors about different industries and where there's a lot, where they see opportunity, and um, I think that is a, that's a really great thing they should take advantage of. I mean, I know... Um, once I was done, I was like, "Whoa, what do I do now?" Hmm. You know, I <laughs> when I'd meet people, they say, "Oh, hey, what do you do?" I was like, "Oh, right now I'm trying to train for the NFL." Blah blah blah. Hmm. And then once I knew that I was not, I was no longer able to compete at that level because of um, my knee. Mm-hmm. I I kind of I kind of sunk into this dark depression. And I yeah. was like, What? What? Who am I? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, UNC, I love UNC. It'll be a part of me forever. As a matter of fact, after my hearing that we had in Winston-Salem uh, against the NCAA in Carolina, I went and visited some of my friends that are still enrolled in UNC. Mm-hmm. And it, it just reminded me of all the great memories I had. It was beautiful. And it, it's mm-hmm. impossible for me to really just write off UNC. Mm-hmm. I, I was rooting for them in the championship game this year. Mm-hmm. And but I just want UNC to be the best it can be. Yes. And I think of UNC and the NCAA. It's, it's just like this country; like it grows and changes with time. We just need to make sure that it's fast enough to match the needs of its students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes when you love something, you do hold it to a high standard, and it didn't measure up in some ways. It did not measure up in some important ways. You believe it can do better. Um, I wasn't rooting for UNC in the championship. <laughs> but see, I never went there. You know, it wasn't my alma mater. Um, and I can understand those feelings that you have for the institution, for the people, for the friendships. And I don't have that. I just see it more as this place that really is morally bankrupt. But for me, that's more about people and, you know, certain people. But I also know those people are propping up a system. And that's why I think it's so great that you're able to say, well, I do love this school and I'm participating in this lawsuit because I love this school. I am participating in this lawsuit. You know, um, I think that's really important. I I wonder, Devin, if you had it to do all over again, would you? Would you play college football again? You know, my my knee, the way my knee feels and my shoulder feels, hmm. uh, that's that's a tough that's a tough question. But I think I think I would play mm-hmm. if I, if um, there was a, there's a point that I always think about, um, and it's when our trainer, our athletic trainer, asked me. Said Devin, like, do you want to file papers with the N- with the NFL? And this was while I was being held out. Mm-hmm. And it was in, I think it was in January, 
And I said, I said, nah, it'll it'll work itself out. I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be okay. And then, like as you know, the next year, mm-hmm. first play of the second half, blow out my knee, oh, and uh, played maybe two plays after that a year later or something. I think in the last game. Yeah. With a coach but, who didn't use a fullback. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Devin, and, uh, I hadn't cried as hard as I cried when that happened to you. Oh. Oh. It was just a series of a uh, lot of a lot of unfortunate events. events yes. For me. yes. Well, t- tell us this. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days, and do you still feel the effects of what happened when you were at UNC? You've talked about your shoulder, and you've talked about your knee. An but, academic fraud. Uh, I'm asking as well, you know, if someone Googles your name and recognizes, oh, nuts, you're the guy that was, you know, talk a little bit about what you're up to now and maybe any effects you still feel from UNC. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm a financial advisor at one of the largest investment banks on uh, Wall Street. Um, Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> run work with, you know, a certified financial planner and um, another guy who's been in the business for 30 years and they've really taken me under their wing and really training me to be the best I can be. And um, it's uh, it's great, you know. We, have, we, have, we do three things. We grow your wealth, we protect your assets, and we just really simplify your finances. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's, it feels good to really help people. Mm. and to make sure that they achieve their goals. Um, about, I guess, so since um, since school, or let's say, I think total, since being in school, I've had two shoulder surgeries and, and three knee surgeries. Wow. And, I mean, that it just shows you how tough the game is, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it—I mean, I, I always, always get confused about whether I'd play again or not. Mm-hmm. I could, I could do it again, but there, there are a lot of benefits. And then with, I, I try, I try to make the most out of my situation, the best. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been blessed. You know, I've got to do a documentary that was one of the most popular on Netflix. I think it's on Hulu now and mm-hmm. on Epix. Thanks, thanks for the good folks at Epix. I was blessed. Um, I was invited to go and speak in front of the Senate by uh, Senator Booker. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience, a really nerve-wracking experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was great. Um, and I got to sit and uh, see uh, President Emirate with my uh, own eyes and got to <laughs> speak with um, Myron Roll. Who's a who's a guy who actually well, he went to two of my rival high schools, hmm. but I don't think we were ever on the field at the same time. But we did compete in other sports. Mm-hmm. And Myron was the defensive back from Florida State, who was also a Rhodes Scholar, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really impressive guy. Really impressive guy. He was in fact, um, he was the only one on the uh, on the panel to to recite his his testimony for straight from memory. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. 
So do you have you since school and everything have do you feel like you have to sort of explain to potential employers and things like that what happened or yeah okay oh always 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 it's mm-hmm. um i mean it's it's tough because you know i tell people you know i go to unc i went to unc and they have played football at unc <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i i tell people i played football at unc and then you know they want to throw in a joke about you know unc and then i have to explain to them oh yes I was involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a little awkward, but it's um I try and uh turn it into a strength, uh, to a to a positive. Mm-hmm. Try and turn it to a positive and kind of really explain how I'm I'm trying to make it better for college athletes today. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring awareness to it. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, Devin, I listened to you. Number one, it's just, I can't tell you what a blessing it is to just hear your voice. I, we miss you. We think of you often and it brings back so many memories. Um, good memories. Of course, there are sad things too, but when I hear your voice, I think of a lot of good things. I think of just what a wonderful young man you were to to be around and um so that's the number one thing I want to say I listen to you and I'm reminded of what an outstanding young man you are how lucky we are to know you how lucky we were that John coached you and I'm I'm impressed all over again it, it just everything you've said today reminds me of why you were the kind of player John wanted at UNC um and my main takeaway from this conversation is gratitude gratitude for you gratitude for our time with you gratitude for the man that you are and that we that we know you really that's my takeaway so thank you Devin for being with us thank you for having me it was always a pleasure to talk to you you know my my takeaway Devin is you've really inspired me you said I want UNC to be its best I want it to be the best it can be I want it to be able to move quickly enough to match the needs of its students and that's that's why you're in this case that you are and I just admire your courage. I'm sure there's people out there that say, why is this guy suing our school? Doesn't he love our school? You know, you do love it. And I love the game of football, and I want the game of football to be the best it can be as well. And I think what you're doing really inspires me. And I hope that our listeners can just sense the courage it takes a person the, the courage you have to do what you're doing and you're approaching it from an angle of love. Mm-hmm. You love the school, you love the sport, and you want it to be the best it can be. Boy, that was powerful to me. And once again, all over, you, you just continue to be 
a blessing to me in my life, Devin. And uh, I'll always be your coach. <laughs> and uh, I'll always love you with uh, all my heart. And you've got, you've got friends in the shoops uh, for life. Thanks, that shows that means a lot. <laughs> so, oh man, that was nice. I, I'm just always used to you just kind of you know yelling at me for uh, missing a protection or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the X is no guy. Now the first play of the chick. Don't don't think that you're off the hook, and don't think that I forgot you dropped the screen pass on the first play of the Chick Fil A Bowl in 2010. Okay. Don't forget that. Though I did call it later in the game from the ten yard line, and you scored and a touchdown. And he hit it. He hit it. I huh? remember that. I think you came to the sideline and said to me, "Oh, coach, it was there. Just call it again." And I said, "Hey, Devin, it doesn't work like that, son of a gun. Sometimes when I call it, that's the only time." But I called it again because you said, and you scored. Do you remember that? I do. I do. That was my. That was my moment right there. I remember that moment. I remember that moment. I think TJ threw for like 430 <laughs> yards in that game or something. That was a wonderful day. That was yeah. a good day. Well, well, this is wonderful conversation. Yeah. And again, you are you're such a, a blessing to us, and you're a model for all collegiate athletes. And uh, I admire, I admire your courage. Well. Thanks. We, we do appreciate you for joining us, Devin, and helping us to go deep into some of the most pressing issues in sports, um, and not just in sports, but in our country today. We do have some interesting shows coming up uh, on Going Deep, but we're going to take a few weeks of a hiatus because this is our last show to record at the WBAA studios in West Lafayette, Indiana. The next time Going Deep is uh, recorded, it will be from Asheville, North Carolina, where the shoot, where Team Shoop is relocating. So we want to take a second to really thank Erica Yan, our sound engineer. Erica, you've been wonderful, and uh, we are going to miss you in Asheville, but we thank you for everything you've done to help Shoop's Going Deep get off the ground. And remember, you can follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud and find us on Twitter at ShoopsGoingDeep and at ShoopsGoingDeep.com. Many thanks to our growing audience of listeners and to WBAA Studios. We look forward to the next time we can go deep together. We are Team Shoop. We'll see you next time on Going Deep. <laughs>